0: Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset for another week. It's Sam Bruce, joined as ever by Christy Doran on what is a absolutely freezing Monday night here in Sydney. Uh, but Christy, you're coming back, mate. You've uh, you've found some time for us, mate, despite the jet lag after a, a big few days in, uh, in the bright lights of Las Vegas, mate. How was it? I'm not sure how I'm still standing or well, I'm sitting at the moment, but um, anyone that's been to
1: Las Vegas knows that all sorts of things happen. Um, but particularly this time of year it's sunny it's nudging 40 degrees I was over there for some boxing which is all rather bizarre when you go from rugby union most of the time but um,
0: great experience good to good to um, check out some boxing and some big fights along the way. Yeah well I'm doing the reverse mate I'm headed to Melbourne tomorrow morning ahead of the George Cambosa Devin Haney fight on Sunday which uh, should be an absolute beller in front of uh, 50,000 at Marvel Stadium so Can't wait for that one. Of course, we'll be taking in the four quarterfinals, which have now been confirmed in in Super Rugby Pacific. And um, before we get to those, uh, wrap up round 15 and the the close of the regular season, which I I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Christy. I was up and about. I was really enjoying that last game between the Highlanders and the Rebels where eighth spot was effectively on the line. It certainly added something to that game. uh, And we'll come to the the finish with with Matt Tamu kicking the ball out shortly. But um, I mean, this eight-team eight final series, uh, sorry, uh, it's, it's just farcical to have you know, a team that scrapes in with a record of, of four and ten. Now, we understand why this was set up, um, and I think Rugby Australia probably pushed for it to, to, uh, to safeguard getting some teams in, which hasn't actually worked out that way. With the top six, the Waratahs would have got in. So, I mean, looking at it now, um, I just can't cop it, and I hope that they change it for next year.
1: Yeah, I hope they do too. Darren Coleman probably said it best. He said, "If you're if you're not eyeing to be in the in the finals, this is before you'd even coached a game. If you're not eyeing to be in the finals, then what are you doing?" You know, for eight, um, I think he found it pretty laughable himself. He's just gone from winning a competition uh, in the in the age of rugby competition in America to to Super Rugby. Um amazing that he thought that it was fastable, given the fact that three to five wins was something that they thought was probably a realistic equation at the start of the year. Turns out that they probably should have won more than they did, given the heartbreaking defeats to New Zealand opposition. But, yeah, it, it's silly. It should be six. It should be the top two get the first week off. This is why we saw the likes of Bowden Barrett, et cetera, get rested last weekend, isn't it? Just so that they are not taking any carrying any injuries into a into a finals um, system but also it doesn't reward does it the blues and the, and the crusaders who have finished first and second um, it doesn't reward them as well I think they should they should be rewarded with a semi-final allow three to take on you know six and four to take on five that way there should be very competitive those finals as well we could potentially see a, a blowout between one and eight and two and seven. Um I, I'm sure the Reds are, are, are hoping that they can get an upset in there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that innate team playoff system, no.
0: Well, you talk about rewarding there, and re- rewarding the, the Blues and Crusaders, which is a great point. Um, but what we've really done and what we've got with this final series is you're, you're rewarding absolute, utter failure. I mean, what, what team could seriously look at itself and think, oh, yeah, we made the finals. Hang on, but the record was, was four and 10, fellas. That was a, that was a great season. You know, we've, uh, we've ticked plenty of boxes there. We can head off on uh, on Mad Monday. Not that these guys will, because a lot of them will be heading into test footy. But um, I mean, even Aaron Smith yesterday, following that, uh, that loss to the Rebels 31 uh, 30, by virtue of the bonus point, the, the Highlanders advancing in front of the force, of course, that um, I mean, he was slightly embarrassed for it. a guy that's played at the absolute heights and won just about everything there is in the game to win. Um, playing postseason footy after a four and ten season, I can imagine how he he feels about it. But um, anyway, they've got the ability to go to Auckland and, and do something special, uh, no matter how unlikely that might seem.
1: Yeah, and you,
0: and you shouldn't rule it out
1: because a side with Aaron Smith is is capable. You know, the Highlanders at stages have looked pretty good throughout the year. We we can't forget, and and the one thing that I think that I'm, I'm glad that the Highlanders are in there is that Australians. For the first two-thirds of the season, you see what you saw Australians taking on Australians and New Zealanders taking on New Zealanders. And you know, we've we've all got to accept that the New Zealand games were probably stronger, the standard was stronger. And for a Highlanders team that's continually just losing those those narrow ones to the likes of the Crusaders and the Blues, um, you can accept that 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 they might not be quite there, but they're probably better than a lot of the, the Australian opposition. Now, we haven't quite seen that with um, losses, obviously, a couple of losses to the Tars and, and uh, as well as to the Brumbies. Um, but, you know, I don't think that they're that much worse than a Queensland Reds side is, despite the fact that they've lost four more games than, than the Reds. So maybe there's a little bit of justice that the Highlanders, in fact, snuck in there past the Western Force.
0: Anyway, all will be revealed this coming weekend where the Highlanders can pick themselves up and do something special. But uh, Special, sorry, but that will be tough against the Blues team who will virtually bring back a, a whole different uh, starting 15.
1: Are you, are, you, are you surprised at all that the Blues um, have looked as convincing as, as they have this, this year? Obviously not so much on the weekend where they sneak past a, a Warrantah side, but you can't forget it. there was a, a few players not playing there that usually would.
0: No, I'm not, mate. I thought if ever they were going to get it, together, this Blues team that's been without, I mean, they, they broke their silverware duck in, in the Trans-Tasman competition last year, but um, they've just got too much quality. And, I mean, uh, you know, they, they've always had isolated, had Sonny Bill and, um, you know, they've tried other players there um, uh, over oh, the years. And yeah, yeah. Ma Nonu, of course, springs to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And and different guys have come through the franchise at different points uh, tagged with, with turning the fortunes of the Blues around and really haven't quite delivered. Um, so I guess you've got to give a wrap to, to Leon McDonald, haven't you, really, that um, he's been the one to to bring it all together. And you've got, you know, All Black's quality um, right through the pack and then a back line that is, of course, headed by by Barrett and um, Rico Ioani, clearly, but um, some fantastic players uh, in and around them as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, I was probably setting you up there because we both predicted at the start of the year that Blues would take out that minor premiership. Um now, I think we, in fact, actually got the, the eight in in there. Um, we do. So, you know, heads up, congratulations, Sammy, to get the TARS in there. Yeah. Um, I'm not and sure if we it. quite had them finishing at uh, six. They could have finished fifth, fourth, perhaps. But um, they made a brave decision a couple of years ago. We can't forget that to bring on Liam McDonald in front of Tano Amaga. Like, yep. That was a brave de- decision. Particularly that Tano Mungo, in fact, stayed at the club. Yep. He's gone into an assistant coaching role. Like that was an extraordinary thing. Um, and you know, if, I was quite actually pleased over the weekend that an E High West ends up having some silverware with Lara Shell, where they've they've beaten Leinster. Now AI West was was a person that unfortunately had all that flair and attacking brilliance, but for whatever reason, things didn't necessarily gel at, at number 10 for the Blues, but good that he managed to get some silverware on the weekend because um, he was a talented player. And I think back to even times against the British and Irish Lions in 2017 where you just saw glimpses of what he could, could offer. But um, they will be very tough now, hosting three matches probably at Eden Park and... Um, it, good luck going there and beating a blues side when you've got Bowden Barrett. It, was he the, was he the, the signing do you think that has managed to elevate the blues from being uh, a good side aside with the Yuani Brothers a side with, brothers, um, a side with um, now you've got you've got um, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck there as well and, and he's now playing himself into an all blacks position side, but threats all across the park but was Bowden the really big one?
0: I think Bowden coming together with with Stephen Perifetta mate at the back has just been you know having that that dual playmaker system um and and Perifetta perhaps being able to to take a little bit more of the direction of the side around the field something that that Bodie would probably admit is not the absolute strong suit of his game he's got all the skills in the world and the speed and and the attacking threats that um you know a few others possess but when it comes to you know actually you know directing a team around that um perhaps having Perifetta there is, is taking a little bit of a load off and allowed him to do more of the attacking side and, and Steven to take charge or at least contribute in that, that second playmaker role. But as you mate, that's what we we're talking about just so much quality. And um, I think, you know, Leon McDonald, fair credit to them has, has finally got them all on the same page. And, and, you know, I think Dalton Puppley is a player that just gets better season after season, the skipper yeah. over there now. And, and, uh, you know, we've spoken about how the All Blacks are going to fit everyone into this back row of theirs and, um, you know, who they leave out is, is going to be really intriguing for that first test against Ireland. And, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, big ups to uh, Ehia West and coached by one of the great Irishmen in, in Rodan O'Gara who, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's surely going to have people coming, uh, knocking at his door for a test job sooner rather than later. And,
1: and some of the scenes coming out of the Irish show were incredible. incredible. If, if you haven't seen social media Check it out. Go into any of the players that played in that one, including Will Skelton. Um, he's, he's a guy, you know, we shouldn't actually gloss over Will Skelton. He's a guy that once again has gone to a European side that has ended up winning the European Cup, it with Saracens before, who was in the final last year with La Rochelle. He's a bloke that last year, ends up playing on the spring tour, playing a couple of matches off the bench, I don't think we saw um, the best of what Will Skelton can offer at, at Test Rugby. For me, he's he's not just a bench player. He was used at times only for a handful of minutes, 10, 15 minutes. You know, this, the game was lost at times um, or falling to pieces or they couldn't get their hands on the ball. I, I thought that he was used terribly and, and I'm not going to – you know, mince more words there. I, I thought he was used very poorly and he's fallen off the cliff from a perspective where you only get three picks to drag into your Australian side and, and in all likelihood,
0: it looks like it's going to be three backs. Oh, I'm staggered by it. I think we spoke about this very thing, mate, uh, the final part of the year, the, the Welsh test, which there was admittedly, there was plenty to, to pick apart. But, um, you know, there was absolutely, you know, what was the point of, of bringing him into the squad if you weren't going to start him? Because as you said, we learned very little about what Will Skelton could do at test level, because we only sure we only saw you know fleeting glimpses of him off the bench, and you know I thought there was a whole that was the whole idea of bringing these guys in. It was to to give them the chance to impress, to to learn more about them, so that we could make a you know a far more educated decision uh, in twenty twenty two and and twenty twenty three clearly as well. Yeah,
1: and what we got to see was Curtly Beal get integrated from the bench to end up starting at fullback. Um, and, and I think at the Wales test where third yep. match back into the system, third week, and you actually saw the, the best. The
0: best of him, yeah,
1: Well, close to the best of Kirby Bill. You know, we saw Rory Arnold get 50 minutes on a few occasions. I think Australian rugby fans knew, and as well as fans, the coaches knew what Rory Arnold could do. I thought he was solid without being spectacular, but I certainly wouldn't be putting a line through his name either. But did we get to see Will Skelton? No, and I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that, that he didn't get one opportunity to, to, if not start, play 40 minutes. Because for a guy like that, if, if you don't get the ball, well, you're not getting to see what Will Skelton can do in, a 15, 20, in 15, 20 minutes when when you're struggling and up against it, like you might have been at Twickenham, where they didn't have the ball for the last 15 minutes and they conceded points. So anyway, we'll, we'll move on. and. Um, bit we've, more to, to pick apart. Buddy.
0: We will, we, we, We've already headed off on a couple of tangents there to, to kick us off. Uh, nothing on my notes about Will Skelton, but there we are. <laughs> uh, so, let's, mate, we, we spoke about wanting to go go to Perth and, and give a shout-out to the Western Force who, um, you know, I don't think anyone gave them a chance, having played on Tuesday night and beating Moana Pacifica in Auckland, to come back to play a Hurricanes team that has been in some pretty strong form the recent few weeks in Super Rugby Pacific. Um to be down at halftime and then to just absolutely finish over the top of them. The forwards got on top. I think Rajan Pazatowa probably had his best game since potentially that I think it was round two when they beat the Rebels in Melbourne and there was all that talk and Timmy Horan got going and, um, you know, I'm not sure that got to him at all, but um, he just found the reality of being a first-year starter, fully-fledged starter in Super Rugby. Um, he had a fair bit to learn and, and I think we saw, you know, the kind of player that he's going to develop into next year Um, and be even, you know, um, have uh, the expertise of Simon Cron coming in as well. But this was a great way for the force to send out a few of their best. Um, And of course, coach Tim Sampson as well, Uh, a great night for them. Of course, it didn't work out uh, quite as they planned or as they'd hoped rather with with the Highlanders finishing within seven of the Rebels. But um, just about the force's best performance of the season or best two performances of the season, they say for the final two weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, it, it's 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 sad in one re- front because, you know, you've got guys like not just the old veterans, the Jeremy Thrushes that are bowing out. Um, Richard Carr, who just continues to do the business, doesn't he? He's, he, he is a, a fine player. It's remarkable how he left New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks so soon after winning a World Cup. He, he's been a star um, wherever he's gone. Yep. But but someone like a Santiago Medrano, I know that he's not a – an Australian is Argentinian capped, but he's young. He's leaving. You know, he's a big fill, he's a big role to fill to, to get a tight head. Um, I know that Simon Cron is is working around the clock to try to find another one um, because they don't just grow on trees, do they? He's a big gaping hole that they'll have to fill. Fergus Lee Warner also heading off. I thought though that at stages throughout the year, you know. Rajana Pasatella is so young and at times uh, as much as I like finds the, the the halfback there. He's young too. He hasn't had many matches where he's starting. And I thought it was odd at times that Tim Sampson opted to choose both of those two rather than have Ian Pryor start more with Pryor um with, with Rajana Pasatella. I just thought it was odd the, the combinations just to have two youngsters in there who haven't played much rugby rather than ease one in there with the guy that has done close to 100 super rugby matches it might be, might be on the other side now. But, but now even like an Andrew Reddy, you know, he's, he's leading the Western Force. I hope the Queensland Reds pick him up um, because he's the sort of guy that's always had so much potential but, but hasn't quite been able to squeeze all the lemon out of, of, of what player he could be because he's a guy who's great on the ball, has um, got a bit of mongrel about him. Um, but we haven't seen the best of him. So I, I just hope that, that a couple of these guys that are leaving, you know, aren't lost forever, but but a, but a good win. And that's the sort of win that Simon Cron will be really thrilled about seeing because it picks everyone up hitting into a into a pre-season. So I think more than anything, he'll be one of the happier people.
0: For sure. Uh, a great way to finish for them. And um, Jackson Pugh caught the eye, uh, another player there playing it. At- at number eight on the weekend. Uh, Admittedly, I know very little about him uh, previously. And, uh, you know, just, uh, he's a player that the the force have got, you know, a bit of a habit of bringing through these guys, these unheralded guys now, and, and just hoping that they, as you said, Simon Cron can, can find these little bits and pieces that they're going to need. Not a rebuild essentially, but they're clearly going to have some, some holes to plug. And as you say, uh, he'll be busily doing, working away to do that now. And, and hopefully, um, you know, better times lay ahead for the force because, you know, we, we all want to see them succeed and there's a really strong and engaged rugby community over there in the West. And when they get things right, clearly they can mix it with the teams in the competition. They should have beaten the Blues who were finished on top and haven't lost in in 13 weeks. So, yeah, absolutely. A, a really big positive for them. Um, now, jump forward to Sunday. Now, I, I don't know what you felt about it, but... Um, in no way did I have any qualms with with Matt Tamua kicking the ball out there at the finish. I know social media was a buzz, and and this is this mentality within Australian rugby, and I guess this is when you talk to more rugby league fans around. Oh, how could you? You know, I remember talking with uh, Richard Bayless, actually, of, of Fox Sports Football, and, and now engaged with the A Leagues, um, around how could you cheer on the the Queensland Reds when they were you know on the way to the the 2011 final there and, and it's right because they're so used to in, in rugby league and AFL, this, this tribalism and um, they don't have the international element clearly that, um, that rugby does. So, um, but if I was Matt Tamua yesterday and I was faced in that position, I was thinking, you know what, we can't make the finals. Um, there's one way to shut this game down and guarantee that we get the win and we get to go on the sheds and sing this song and farewell. Um, I think it was the, the manager whose name escapes me, his last time, uh, representing the Rebels and, and send to some other players departing out on a winning note, if that was me with the ball in my hand having to tap it and kick it out in the full and the ref to blow full-time, then I am 100% doing the same thing.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, and, and can't disagree with that at all. I I, I think it was a bit harsh, um, some of the commentary around that, for sure. Um, you're know, you you're right, and, and I'm just looking it up now. Mark Rowe, a great manager there that's been a part of that club. Through. Thank you franchise for a decade but you know it's it's a long season as well it's a long drawn out season and and to you know you might give it a crack initially and if you can't quite get there well then you know you don't want another intercept you don't want another turnover and yes the the highlanders might not have been you know willing to play for it knowing that they could risk further things they might have wanted to just end it themselves immediately. No, you can't. And it's games of forty, it's eighty minutes that you've been toying out there. It's a long campaign. The risk of injuries for internationals out there as well. You've got to consider those sorts of things. So yeah, I think good win for them. Good, good to good to finish on a high. Um, stick Nick Styles down there being the general general manager, um, first year that he's down there. Um, There's a lot of moving parts there, and that's the key for the Western Force and the Melbourne Rebels is to do what the Waratahs have done this year, consolidate, not make wholesale changes, lose people. If you do that every second year, third year, you're just going to be back to square one all the time. They need to keep the core of players that they think they're going to be there for the next five, six years at least, and then just slightly build around there because they've got now the pieces in the puzzle including the coaching structure now.
0: Yeah, and they've got some talented young kids, Nate, about that. Young Ripley who's come on the scene in the last yeah. couple of weeks on the wing, um, scored a miraculous try there at the finish, probably should have held the pass at first go, but to, um, to keep it up and, and then dive into the, uh, the in-goal area and reclaim the ball to score. Um, Nick Eust, a player who's been around the traps a lot in Australian rugby the past few years, finally looks like he might have found a home at the Rebels. Um and Carter Gordon seen the best of him at the back end of the year. And, and a guy we've spoken about quite a bit this year probably would have benefited from, from having that continue, continuous run earlier in the season.
1: Yeah. And you know, what people like Rob Leota Parme that they missed huge chunks. Of and we, we didn't
0: see Trevor Hosea at all this season. didn't
1: see Trevor Hosea at all. And he's a guy that had played a couple of years and played big minutes for them, um, you know, those sorts of guys have added a lot now. If they can be there, fit, firing a World Cup year next year, where there will be teams that will rest players, uh, you never quite know. You they might be able to sneak a few more.
0: We're going to come to the, to the A program again shortly with a couple of Waratahs guys, but Brad Wilkin, mate, um, another guy who's really found a home for himself down in yeah. in Melbourne. Um, I think resigned again for maybe another year. Um, He's in that, certainly in that range now. With behind Michael Hooper. We know Fraser McWright's there. We know he's probably the heir apparent. We know Charlie Gamble's eligibility, I think, will be processed next year. And and clearly the Waratahs are going to want to keep him around for the longer term as well. But you throw Brad, Brad Wilkins' name in there now too, and um, he's a guy that's clearly going to benefit from this this A program going to the Pacific Nations Cup, you would think.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I hope so. Brad Wilkin had devastating injuries for horrible, years. Horrible, horrible. And he was a guy that was, um, I believe it was Greg Clark that was telling me about three years ago that he was compared and thought ought to be perhaps even better than what David Pocock was at a similar age. Now, that's the biggest praise that you can ever get. Unfortunately, you know, knee injuries and everything else just, just cripple a person at times, and he's he sent – years and years battling to, to play, you know, an, a, a one game, let alone a number of games. So I, I would hope that I think he's a, a good physical profile. He's good on the ball. He's got a good head. He knows what it's like, the tough yards and the tough years and the tough experiences. And sometimes those can make a player better when they get back because they appreciate it perhaps that just a little bit more. For sure.
0: And, uh, yeah, great finish for the rebels and uh yeah same with the force just more of it next year gents and uh you know if you can get around that that six win area who pending what becomes of the, the finals series of course that um you know you got to be right in the, the mix for the finals and both teams had the ability to to win that many games.
1: Yeah and even James Tuttle he's a guy that had huge raps at Queensland and also had really devastating injuries Hardly played any rugby for years. He came back and played a lot of minutes this year. Now, I don't think he's necessarily a world beater, but he's got great leadership qualities about him. He's captain's side. He's captain of the Reds at times. Um, he's a he's a age where he should have his, a couple of his best years around now. So if he can stay on the park and be a good sounding board for a Carter Gordon, um, that can only be a big and a good thing. Um, we saw Reece Hodge have a slow start to the year and get better as well. So there are some green shoots there for them.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Um, now, if you'd said uh, we were speaking, mate, on Thursday, and I told you that the, the Rebels and the Force were going to be the winners uh, in round 15 <laughs> and the Brumbies would lose to Moana Pacifica and the Waratahs would lose to, effectively, a, a Blues B team. Now, certainly, you know, no one thought that the Waratahs were going to come out and, and smash the Blues and they would have to work really, really hard to get the win. But... Um, Let's start there before we head back to Auckland. Um, a couple of yellow cards they were playing against 13 men there in the first half. Uh, was this a case of just growing pains for this, this young team, This, despite their being you know experienced, check it across the starting 15? Um, just a little bit, uh, I don't know what, how, they, how to sum it up really. Playing, getting a little bit over-anxious in what they were trying to do and perhaps not sitting back and, and taking the points I saw someone comment on on Twitter, that they should have been, you know, a little bit more prepared to to take the threes on offer earlier on, and you know, eventually got going early in the second half, and, and then just got run down by the Blues. But um, a lot of a lot of talk around just the lack of game management at the death. There um, is that as simple as you, you know that uh, this is you know an educational process still for this team, or was it more on you know guys like Jake Gordon and, and Hooper and Holloway and these guys who do have the big match experience, or at least multiple years in, excuse me, in Super Rugby experience, that so they really needed to take charge and, and they're the ones actually that should put the blame for this this defeat?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's also a matter of the, the finals place had already been sealed, hadn't it? Yeah. And, and maybe a little bit of disappointment off the back of the previous week, um, uh oh, sorry. The, the the one the Highlanders, but not being able to have a, a home final yeah. um, with with the Hurricanes defeat a week before that. So uh, the, there's an element of we're, let, let's try to I think run the ball there. Um, we've seen Michael Hooper want to do that. That's kind of in his DNA, I think, and and that might have changed from a test perspective now. But for there when there's fourteen thousand at aren't the biggest crowd there, I don't think that they wanted necessarily to see a slugfest. I think. I think there's an element of last game of the regular season. Let's play some footy. Let's play some footy and play an attractive brand that they come back. Now, terribly frustrating result for them in the end, and yes, comes back to bite them in the backside. But we saw only a week before that in Dunedin them take the points. You know that. You know, I think that if if that game was a knockout, I'm sure we would have seen a different mentality around that. Um, I think you're probably right in the sense that, yeah, um, a learning kind of side where there's still a lot of youth throughout there, particularly um, at 10, at 15, out in the wings. We even saw Faketi against the Hurricanes a fortnight earlier have a real brain explosion by playing on. So I wouldn't completely rule out the possibility there, but I think just the context of it is different. They'll play a different brand of rugby once again against the Chiefs this this weekend, I think um, what a what a what a big one! They're going to be going over there a day earlier. I think there was a bit of a, a mishap from the Sansa having to book flights and not wanting to double. Classic Sansa. Yeah, not wanting to book for a, a double book a Friday night game or whatever it might have turned out to be. But big opportunity. I, I wouldn't rule them completely out against the Chiefs. They'll be difficult at home, no doubt, but. If, if the Tars can take their chances and be very clinical off set piece, learn at the scrum time, because um, that's an element where they're... When the Archer Holtz had, had a
0: real night and just probably let the frustration get the better of him.
1: Yeah. And, and he's a young player, isn't he? Absolutely. He's really a first season player. He might've yep. been around the squad for a little bit, but you know, losing Dave Parecki early as well to a neck injury. Now, hopefully he's right from the Warwick Tars perspective. And I think he's looking like he will be, but... But to lose him so early, that changes the dynamic around how you scrum, your set piece there. So you can kind of see where where it kind of went wrong at times.
0: Izzy Parisi, an outside chance, I believe, as well to to come back in. So that would be a, a huge boost. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the Chiefs, you know, are, are certainly beatable at home. The Brumbies proved that. They're coming off a, a hugely draining game in, in Fiji, and of course the, the travel back and you know, I think Brad Weber said it best uh, in Laotoka there that um, you know we when we left Hamilton or this morning in Hamilton, it was one degree and, and here we're playing a 80 minutes of rugby in 30 degrees. So you've got to think that that will have sucked a fair bit of energy out of the Chiefs. I'll get Sam Kane back, but um, yeah, not beyond the win- the realms of possibility that the Waratahs can go and win that. Um, just before we leave them, some signing news, some re-signing news, which will be announced uh, Tuesday morning. So probably just uh, as this podcast is is dropping uh tain ed Med re-signing through 2024 a fantastic result
1: yeah it is because he is a guy that's well liked you go out and you see some of these guys occasionally in town he's often with them um he's come on leaps and bounds um we know that there was opportunities there last year but he's grown and grown and grown. the future of where will harrison is with his injuries um that's, that's going to play a part in in what Tane Edward does. I still think Ben Donaldson's best position is at 10. Um, and that competitiveness is going to be really interesting. Driving through to next year, does Donaldson get an opportunity at 10 at the LZA level perhaps? Um, we'll see. But... There's, there's some big decisions to make around there, but having depth is not a bad thing at all. You know, they, you mentioned Izzy Parisi being an outside chance. Yeah, he is an outside chance, but as he's Harry Johnson-Holmes, he will likely come back and that huge, will huge. only be a big thing for their tight head stocks. is hugely important for this side. And and just a, a funny one where with with Jamie Roberts, you know, up against Warren Gatlin's led Chiefs sides, we know it wasn't a happy, you know, the match against uh, Gatlin's Chiefs, what about a month ago? Super five, round, yeah. Five weeks ago, down in Melbourne, but opportunity right that wrong. But his experience off the bench, you have to think, is is a is a real big thing for a Tas side that haven't played finals footy in a while. So um, yeah, I, I just give them the you know a slight chance of pulling it, um, pulling that one off, and 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 that one will set up a a really intriguing Saturday. If you get that, I'm sure word will filter through because the Brumbies are going to be playing later on that afternoon or in that evening, but in Canberra. And if you've got an Australian side that's already beaten New Zealand opposition, and maybe maybe the Reds might have, you never know, but that's going to be extremely daunting and challenging for them. But, But if you could get one Australian side that's already through to a semi, that'll, I think, just relieve the pressure just ever so slight for the Brumbies. And it might be only half a percent. But you potentially think about that, knowing that hey, one Aussie side's already in there. Can another one be in there? And and if not, it might be just the the Brumbies who potentially could be the only Australian side that's
0: that's looking for a semi final. Just how big a hole are the Brums in though? That's, that's three on the trot. Obviously, you know, really really tough games against the Crusaders, the Blues game. They probably should have won. We spoke about it last week. Just a lack of of polish and, and finishing the game off, and of course on the end of a, a mammoth. Penalty count, but um, how big a hold are they in that loss to Moana Pacifica on Saturday, particularly after Sakopi Kepu was red carded earlier on? The Moana really rallied um, for him and his 150th, despite him clearly heading for an early shower and got in front and really never looked back from there. Um, is it can they back at home in Canberra? Clearly, it's going to make a big difference, but um, is this as simple as you know, no Rob Valentini um, makes the Brumbies job just just that much tougher.
1: Yeah, and that, look, uh, Rob balatini has been racing the clock, hasn't he, for, for quite a while. If he returns, you know, I'm sure it, it might take uh, – he, he was one of the informed players before his injury across the ditch against the Chiefs. And, yeah, three straight defeats since then. He's uh, – their, their game line dominance, their physicality starts and stops, really, with Rob Ballatini. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably the most dominant Australian player in this year's Super Rugby off the back of being last year's most improved player in Super Rugby from an Australian perspective. So you can't understate or overstate the importance of this guy. He He's huge. And he also just has the perfect balance for that, that Brumby's four pack, but particularly the back row, because it allows guys like Jerome Brown to concentrate on what they do best, which is physicality more so in defence and strength over the ball. He's not as well known for his ball running, um, and similarly, you know Tom Hooper, a good player that's that's getting better, but young. So, yeah, if if he comes in immediately, the Brumbies stand taller. Um, but look, they've got a lot of experience there, and for guys like oh, I think Tom Banks, it's still an important game for him to leave a lasting impression potentially on the, on Super Rugby, but also to potentially for himself to carry momentum into what is a, a big international year where he looks like he's still going to play a part of. So, you know, with Nick White, Noah, Noah their CEO, um, test jerseys, potentially starting jerseys on the line, it, you know, and then too. Um, Andy mirrorhead will still be holding out hope, as will Tom Wright, and he'll be in that squad for sure. But a lot of players there, you think about Neville, Frost, um, Darcy Swain. There's still a lot of lot of um, experience, test quality in there that I think that they can. They're, they're obviously the, the Australian side that's at most likely. It's not just that they're playing at home footy, but they've played finals matches. And you know, Dan McKellar's last potentially last game in charge of this Brumbies side as well. A lot of them have resigned or have come through under Dan McKellar, so You would imagine that at least for that too.
0: You would. You would. Um... Now you mentioned the Reds. There, uh, they're in the this unique situation where they are playing the Crusaders back to back in Christchurch both uh, both times around. Um, clearly, a, a mammoth task. They weren't. It's a funny old game on Friday night. I thought they were. The Crusaders were clearly well below their best. No, Richie Um Reds sort of stayed in the fight the whole time without seriously ever threatening that they were going to go on and, and win the match. And the, the result probably reflected that that gap between the two teams. But um, they had their moments and, and certainly we're starting to see, you know, some more and more of of Suleyasi We absolutely skinned Leicester, Anuku at one point, the big fend in the left-hand fend in the chest and, and darted around the outside and that really explosive acceleration. Um, so that was, that was good to see. Um, I, I mean, it's, as we said, a, a huge challenge. Um, there'll be massive odds. You'd think they will be about 13 or 14 bucks for the bookies um, and probably unlikely to do it, but um it's not beyond the realms of possibility that that Brad Thorne can get something special out of them. And, and I guess for the Crusaders, they're probably fortunate that they will have Pablo Matera playing in the back row um, after uh, inexplicable, really given what had gone on last week and Sam Gilbert getting 10 weeks down to five for just a terrible disgraceful tackle or clean out rather on, on Michael Hooper for, for Matera to, to do virtually the same thing. And, I guess really only saved by the fact that Patay's first point of contact was split second, his arm and shoulder rather than his neck. But there's no doubt about it that the Patay's neck felt a, a full brunt of that force when he was he was dropped to the ground by Matea, and you know it was it was that yellow, orange, red situation. I was probably leaning more towards the red, but as the laws are written, you could probably see how both Ben O'Keefe and, and the Sanzar review panel have, have landed on yellow it was. Uh, was sufficient um but uh yeah not not a great tackle by any stretch i,
1: I just wonder whether or not Sands has been spooked by the fact that a low end is six weeks you know he might get it reduced to three weeks most likely he would that's the that's the standard procedure isn't it but yeah. i wonder whether or not they got spooked because you know he's a big name player um he's an Argentinian international. Um, that 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 in every day of your week is 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 if it's not a red card then it, it should be a red card post the match. Because- you got to
0: think if that tackle was made in the northern hemisphere that's a, absolutely a red card and and we're still in this you know this zone where we're clearly this I don't know it was the hundredth card I think was it not potentially um, for the season Pablo's uh, on on Friday night in Super Rugby.
1: Well, well, how does how does like a Taniela Tupo get um, uh, close to being suspended um, for, for a clean out where he does all the right things and then a Pablo, you know, this is obviously a while ago, then a Pablo Matera, um put someone in the dangerous position? That is uh, something that rugby league falls into the trap of and as does AFL, which is, which is refereeing or officiating or judging on whether or not a player is injured or not and we saw this only a week ago earlier with with Tate McDermott um, he probably sh- he, uh, he was left in a very vulnerable position himself and, and now we've seen a Jordan Bataille who if he if he lands on his head like that was lifted well past the vertical and it's completely unnecessary there's not a, a mitig- no mitigation whatsoever
0: um well, it's 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 off the ball, essentially, really. Isn't it's it? off the ball.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 dumbfounding. And this is what murkies all the waters. And and you know, it should be a simple case if you lift someone above that, regardless of how you you know, end up. Particularly
0: if you know, if you drop them, you know, that that is absolutely incredibly risky if you somehow realize and you we used to see it, and you probably see it more in rugby league now, that the guys get them up and they go, Oh, I'm in trouble here. And but, you know, rebalance and recenter and bring them back down gently. But in both the Gilbert and the Matira cases, there was the you know no you know concern shown for the the player that they were cleaning out or tackling on, however you want to describe it, their safety whatsoever.
1: Yeah, look, the, the Reds are going to be up against it, undoubtedly, Pablo Matira or not, and he's obviously there. Um, that is a formidable looking squad. You know, the Reds at the moment are a side that's caught between how they want to play. Um, you know, no one's coming back from 21-3 they, they'll take a little bit of confidence out of the fact that they end up scoring a couple of tries, Harry Wilson are, are, are not only a fan favourite but one of the favourites around the Reds um, it, look the Hunter Parsami's return, um, likely return is a big one, uh, that's that's huge it will give them direction um, it will give them punch, it will put some fear into the opposition's eyes and um, Brad Thorny, who imagine is putting his arm around Dawson Crichton, and going, you know what, the last four weeks doesn't mean much. Take those learnings and it all again. comes down into this match. You know, miracles do happen. Sports are a funny thing at times. You, you potentially play more of a, a set piece game. Uh, take McDermott continues to step up, take more responsibilities there. There's still enough class in that backline with with now and and explosiveness now with. Vunavalu complimenting guys like Jordan Pattaya, um, Filippo Dangunu, you know, having one of his better games. He's had a forgettable year, really. Um, and, and, look, I, I see the, the second rollers there needing to stand up, you know, show some and exert some authority there. I, I'm still staggered by the fact that Lucan Salakai Loto is not there. And, and, and that, that's clearly a decision made because Brad Thorne thinks, look, are uh, the players below him maybe much worse? That much worse, perhaps not. But he's not there for a, for two reasons. One, you know, he, he's, he's signed to go overseas. Two, clearly Brad Thorne and him have had, him, had a falling out. And the, nice and um, you know, what I, what I will say about Luke and Silica though, you know, hasn't spread necessarily into the media. It hasn't been played out in in public. This, um, but he's an international player with with not just a couple of caps, the World Cup experience behind him. He should be over there, I think it's a it's a quarter final. Let us be frankly honest, it's a quarter final. It's a match that if you do end up winning this, it, it can do huge amounts for the game. I, I don't think it's a, you, you should be looking at this as a a springboard for the years to come. You know, as much as I think Ryan Smith, the great player Well, he will be a great player, rather. In the next couple of years, he'll continue to show that. I expect he'll be in that Australian A squad. Uh, He's he's a better player than than Angus Blythe is at this stage, Luke Ansawa-Holoto. Blythe's fallen off tackles at at times, not quite there. We saw that only a few weeks ago where he got carved up three times, I think it was was in in the first 60 minutes, um, with tries between he and Paisami. So, look, that's a a head-scratcher to me. do what it is to fix it up. But we know that Brad Thorne's got form in terms of showing what he wants and the values that he wants in a squad and 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 he's effectively knowledge.
0: putting a putting a red line through players.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now whether or not that does that eventually come back to bite you, I, I'm not sure. I'm not a coach and I haven't been in a, a professional team, but that's a big one to to effectively put a, a line through a player. Um, like Salakai Loto, off the back of having done it with Tom Michael Hunt, James Slipper, Quade Cooper, and we know with all three of them that they actually, and particularly with Slipper and Cooper, you know, have gone from strength to strength in their careers. So surprised by that, and I hope that, you know, it doesn't necessarily leave egg on their faces because it's a big game and, and test experience counts.
0: I wonder, you know, Lucan, I think he 25, 26 Potentially. Um, is he a player, I think it's a two-year deal with, with Northampton that we might see come back and land at perhaps the Rebels or perhaps the Force for another crack and a crack at the, the 27 World Cup with the experience of playing as a lock-in in the premiership, which, as we've seen, can be, can be so beneficial?
1: Well, we, we know that second rowers are uh, some of the most expensive players. Uh, I, I can't see Salakai Alota coming back on a pay cut. Um, And and I I think that the emerging locks are actually pretty strong, you know. uh, And we've spoken about that at length over the last couple of months. Twenty-six
0: in September, so he would be thirty-one at the twenty twenty-seven World Cup. And it's a good and it's a
1: good age, and you and experience counts. But I I I would you know people like Harry Hawkins are overseas. I I would have I would target someone like him, Um, you know. Obviously, Will Skelton, Rory Arnold are are great players, but they're they're on a million dollars. I think you know with the likes of Ryan Smith, Darcy Swain, Nick Frost now yep. returning, uh, a Trevor Hosea sure
0: if he can get back
1: at some point as well. You know you've got guys here in Australian rugby, and you would imagine more that will come through that that can fill the void. But you wouldn't want to lose one or two more, would you? Because um, you know he's he's always threatened, hasn't he? He's had times where you thought this guy can really make it, and and early on, I thought there was potentially a comparison with Courtney Laws. Um, I don't think he's necessarily – he's not got anywhere near Courtney Laws. But at times, Courtney Laws wasn't always like – The start of the first- his
0: career, mate. He was 20 – yeah, 2011 World Cup. Um, yeah. yeah, he and, was and – he's nowhere near the player is now.
1: No, no. And he hasn't and – he, and he even fell off the, the boil a little bit with with Eddie Jones at times. But now he's one of the first picks there. And he obviously is captain of the side recently. Yep a guy that could play not only in the second row, but also six. Always one of the weaknesses of Luke Arn was running too high, but this is a guy that was a late, late starter to rugby and some of those fundamentals I think could have been coached uh, out of him. So you hope it's not one of those what, what ifs, and he calves up the premiership like what, what Will Skelton did because obviously he was a, the perfect case of someone that got his body right Got his head right and turned heads.
0: Absolutely, mate. Before we we wrap up, um, we we've gone fairly uh, deep tonight. Um, Would be remiss not to to talk about the sevens because, uh, of course, the the Aussie women uh, wrapped up um, their their title winning season, uh, finishing on top. Uh, lost to New Zealand uh, in the final there in in Toulouse. Um, which was a a joint event Um, just had a wonderful year of course charlotte caslick carving up left right and center all over again a couple of other girls uh, in the the dream team i think faith nathan and one other who's um i think you might be just looking at right now off the top of my head um the bounce back that they had from from tokyo which let's face it was just an absolute disastrous campaign and and was plagued by you know issues around what had happened with with elia green and um, just looks a completely different team to what we had expected and, and had seen of them from Rio through the years that followed. Um, ousted by by Fiji in the quarters, there. Um, the way they've come back uh, to go on and win the series, obviously, no Fiji and, and New Zealand for I think the first three tournaments on their yeah. on their circuit, um, and then the men overnight in London. Um, now, this the men's sevens is incredibly competitive. You saw last night Spain made the quarters and. So the Aussies had to go, I think, um, South Africa, uh, Samoa in the semi and then beat New Zealand in the final, having already lost to New Zealand, I believe, in, in the pool. And if you get the chance, go and watch that final last night because it went to Golden Point extra time uh, and it was a frantic finish. They won from the kickoff, but um, the speed that they're playing with, um, just the the execution, uh, Lock, uh, sorry, Nick Maloof, the skipper, uh, watching the quarterfinal last night against the Blitzbox, got on the ball at the breakdown. And it's when it's played at that elite level as both the 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 men and the women do it is just a brilliant game to watch and you've got to take your hat off to both um john manetti and and tim walsh are of course flipped teams after the olympics and we all kind of were thinking wow what's going on here this were these positions even advertised um you know it, it kind of was a dumbfounding decision at the time despite tim walsh you know having such success with the women previously but um Credit to both of them. They've uh, they've turned both teams around. The Aussie men are now on top of the division, sorry, the championship, which wraps up in Los Angeles, potentially, I think, in August. Yeah, a couple, couple of points behind
1: the blitz box, I still think. But, um, you, you, yeah, you were searching for Madison Aspie and Madison League Le- Le- yep. Le- beforehand, And these women were part of the Aussie seven side that went to Tokyo. Now, whether or not that experience has really set the foundations for what big tournaments are like, but... That was a miserable campaign for both the men and women. And I was fortunate enough to be there. Um, And what we saw with the men's side was a very nervy match against Argentina where it left them on the back foot the whole time. They actually had a couple of close defeats in there. Um, But, you know, including in the quarterfinal, they had opportunities there. But the, the turnaround has been, you know, stark, dramatic and wonderful. Like it continues the upwards trend of a show rugby. And, you know, the sevens should be a, a big part of it going forward because of the Commonwealth Games, because of the Olympics. You know, these are Olympic sports. You know, not in, in 2032, Brisbane is, is, a, is, is something that if you're, it's all part of the package and if you're selling the rugby dream, well, you can go, look, you can play at the Olympics in a World Cup in the, in the, in the space of five years. We, we know that Michael Hooper on the record spoke just a couple of weeks back about the prospect of potentially playing in Paris. Now, whether or not he does, who knows? But look, I think it's a great achievement from, you know, the the men overnight, unbelievable try. There, Henry Patterson scores out wide, a hat-trick he scored. He made a try-saving tackle as well. Um, Corey Toole, and um, a guy that now is on uh, is a bit of a household name after uh, so his unbelievable try against Canada, where he ran 120 meters and looks like he was Usain Bolt there for a moment or two. But that that you know, you think about these guys, they're not household names. Um, the the squad sizes were cut because the high performance money was cut. Um, coaches went out the door. Um, uh, the turnaround has been staggering, uh, and and Tim Walsh always wanted to remain in sevens, and I think in women's sevens as well. wasn't ever so surprised that he returned to the women's team. But but John Manenti deserves a huge amount of credit. A guy that's pretty understated, uh, a bloke that not many people necessarily thought, or maybe perhaps they questioned about just how good he is. He missed out a couple of times for the Super Rugby head coach roles, um, but but you know, they were under all sorts of pressure to keep their jobs after Tokyo because it just wasn't the results. Off the field, you know, there was the plane incident. with of the course, men. yeah. Um, it was an embarrassing moment. It reflected poorly on them after they both crashed out. You know, the poster girls of women's sport really were the seven sides that had won in Rio, you know, five years earlier. Um, they went crashing backwards and, and, and the women probably performed even worse than the men did, I think, throughout that that campaign. None of their big names stood up. Um, but, you know, this is a huge springboard into a Commonwealth Games, which is only now a month away or so. So big ups for them, great for the game, good for the trajectory of them all. And, you know, there's a World Cup, um, a Sevens World Cup around the corner too. So lots happening in the world of, of rugby, but including Rugby Sevens. So well done to them.
0: And you've only got to look at uh, the way Dylan Peach has come back from that program, that very program, to to probably be the rookie of the year. Certainly for the Waratahs, you would think, and and uh, you know would would be right up there with any first year players across the competition. And the ball he threw was expertly called by by Morgan Turanui at the time on on Saturday night that he threw for for Mark Nongani to us his first try, um, which was perfectly probably the best bit of play from the Waratahs all game um, at speed, a left to right ball that, you know, hit Marky Mark on the, on the chest basically. And, you know, most wingers in the world probably can't throw that pass, but if you're in sevens, you've got pedigree in sevens, you have to be able to throw that pass because you're playing all across the field and you've got to be able to to pass both ways. And he's had a brilliant year and um, you know, both of those guys are probably headed for, for the A program as well.
1: Yeah. The sevens has always been, and it had should have always been focused as a springboard into super rugby. You know, I think you know Australian rugby can't afford just to pigeonhole these guys. You know, Nick Maloof was scoring tries for Leicester, one of the powerhouse clubs in in English Premiership rugby. Only a few years ago, returned to the sevens program. You know, guys like Bernard Foley, Liam Gill, Sean McMahon, they've all come through rugby sevens. Um, you know, that stopped for a few years. That was not happening because these guys would be parachuted into super programs and you weren't allowed to play sevens, but the, the foundations that it sets, it's not just the left and right passes that these guys can throw Dylan Peach can throw it's getting on the ball because every single skill of yours gets put under the microscope instead of, dogs, dogs, yeah. of you, there. you know Dylan Peach is also one of the best in the year he's one of the best for kick restarts because he was used in that air now that came unstuck in Tokyo last year But that experience of playing in you know, Olympic Games hugely invaluable, and, and we're seeing the fruit um, right now. And, and, you know, I spoke to Stephen Hoyles just a week ago um, and, and him being an assistant coach for the seven side, he, he was not surprised at all by Dylan peach we called him an absolute freak, as did Morgan Teranui before he'd even played a super rugby game a year ago, calling this guy a freak and a, a bloke that was, you know, he was desperate to get it back into the 15 side. You think about this bloke, he's only played 15, 20 matches that thought he was a back role before. He's now on the wing and he's potentially in the frame for an Australian team. It shows
0: what the importance and what sevens can be. Absolutely. Just before we go, mate, uh, a bit of uh, mail on that very thing. Uh, we might have seen today Hamilton confirmed uh, the return of the New Zealand leg of the sevens for january uh next year um now a bit of digging around and and there will be announcement coming this week about the return of the australian leg and uh you would expect or you can just about guarantee that it will be in sydney um and that the sfs uh you would believe uh having had such success with it there back in i think 2018 and 2019 probably before it had to move to to Bank West might've been 2017 and 18 um, just about full houses. I think both years, great carnival atmosphere. Um, and what we saw with these two Aussie teams playing so well that, um, you know, that will be back and perhaps bigger than ever. So i watch this space for that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that'd, that'd be great fun. Anyone you know, put that, put that on your bucket list. If you haven't gone, particularly if Fiji's involved, because wow, it's a loud atmosphere. Um, Brucey, before we go, but just final predictions for the Super Rugby weekend um, quarterfinals. Uh, is there an upset there at all or, or do all the home teams win?
0: If Rob Valentini doesn't play, I think the upset is the Hurricanes getting around the Brumbies. I think they're they're in a bit of a hole and I'm not confident that they can get themselves out of it. Um, look, I think uh, I think the Tars will, will be in the game with the Chiefs for for 60-odd 60, 60 minutes. Uh, but the other two, I, I just think the Blues are going to steamroll the highlanders um and i think the the crusaders could uh really hit a bit of form this week and, and a real tune-up for for the semi in the final and and put the reds to the sword what about you
1: yeah i, th- I think you're probably right you know i i, I think that the Brummies can win regardless of whether or not rob bell is there i think there's enough smarts and leadership in the team but that's the that's the match that i think you really want to tune in for um saturday night so i'm looking forward to that one
0: yep Promises to be a, a brilliant uh, weekend of rugby. Uh, I'll be in Melbourne enjoying the Cambosis fight on Sunday, but um, plenty of uh, Saturdays for at this point. So looking forward to a triple header. Uh, mate, uh, thank you very much for the time. Uh, you're probably off uh, to catch up with, a, spend a bit of quality time with the missus after being away in uh, in Vegas. I hope you, uh, you picked her up something nice. Not at all, but a couple of poker chips along the way. But um, enough of that one righto thanks guys uh, we'll be back again uh, next week uh, to wrap up the uh, the quarterfinals um, thanks again for listening and uh, as ever yeah give us a shout out on, on social media like the guys did around the sevens today uh, happy to discuss uh, any and all topics uh, you might want covered uh, we'll talk to you next week